Welcome everybody to episode number 145 of Tech Sales Insights. Uh, really excited to have Kevin Purcell, a uh, longtime uh, friend and colleague here with us. Uh, we've got a great new topic, uh, successful selling to and with uh, global systems integrators. Uh, otherwise, we'll be referred to as GSIs uh, the rest of this podcast. So certainly great, uh, great group to uh, get some leverage with, to sell more, and uh, something that you know a lot of companies really just just don't do well with. So um, we also have uh, for those that are members of sales community. Thanks so much, uh, Tucker. will post our fall free link. So if you are not members, you can uh, click on this link and get a free membership. And we have uh, Sandler as our sponsor for today, who's the uh, sales training sponsor of uh, sales community and a great group. Everybody, I think, has known of them uh, you know, over the years. And uh, I, I try and uh, dumb down my explanation, but basically they've got a great kind of low cost kind of online uh, library that's got everything under the sun. And they kind of scale up from that model to kind of train the trainer to uh, you know, kind of on, on site, which obviously would be a little bit more expensive, but certainly great, great value through the whole uh, training process for sure. And uh, Tucker is uh, behind the scenes helping us as always. So Tucker, thank you so much for that. So uh, jumping into it here, Kevin uh, lives in Naples. So enjoy seeing you down there. And uh, interest besides work is uh, working family is guitar and working out and uh, working out to an extreme so uh, as, as we're talking before, your personal determination and desire to win and lead teams uh, by example led to you uh, competing in seven New York City marathons, which is crazy, uh, and three New York City triathlons. And you did those all after the age of 40. And uh, the first marathon you ran for your friends that unfortunately were lost in the World Trade Center uh, bombing that year. And you only had six weeks to train, but you did it. I mean, that's an, it must have been just physical and emotional, just uh, uh, amazing for you, huh? I would tell you, Randy, I'm going to pay for it as I get older. I can, I can assure you. There you go. I'm getting a new hip between Intel and November 3rd. I'm getting a new, a new left hip down at, down at Naples. So, uh, and I didn't do any, any marathons or any, uh, any tri triathlons at all. Um, so a couple intro stories here. Uh, so certainly I've worked with Kevin over the years, uh, doing a bunch of different uh, things, but certainly always, you know, on, on the game, great partner, great relationship, great, great executing across the board. Uh, but some other uh, tidbits here we have from our uh, some mutual friends, uh, Steve Gordon, who's an uh, executive at HPE, uh, told some story about you uh, meeting your wife roaming around the Taste of Naples event. Uh, what was the deal with that? Just briefly. Yeah, real quick. So my wife, uh, who lived in Naples, actually uh, was out on the town at this food and wine festival. And Steve happened to know her and we went over there and she had just gotten off a long term relationship. Long story short, her mother says, don't worry about it. The guy that you're going to end up marrying is the guy that's going to walk through your front door. And that day I actually walked through her front door. So quick one. Great story. And from uh, Steve Hirsch, who's Sierra Vertana, says Kevin is a polished sales executive who's innovative and thinks disruptively. He wrote the book on developing GSI partnerships that drive scale, profitability, and exponential growth. He is high integrity and knows how to execute while developing strong teams. I'm honored to be a colleague and learn from him every time we connect. Uh, Frank Rausch, who's uh, channel chief at Cato Network, says uh, Kevin's a great friend and leader. I've worked with Kevin at HPE and Checkpoint, builds awesome teams uh, with an exclamation point on execution. Uh, 
And then lastly, from Tiffany Ulch, who's a strategy leader at AWS. Uh, KP is a great mentor and played a major role in uh, setting me on my own executive path. Uh, he cares about the whole person, work, family, and health. He sets a great example of how to lead, and I'm grateful for the time I was able to spend with him. So all, all pretty good uh, stuff there. You should, should be proud. Yeah, I'm very honored by all three and uh, four, actually. I keep forgetting, Steve. But uh, the only thing, I'll just take this opportunity, Randy, if it's okay with you, uh, since you brought up Frank Rausch. Um, Frank and I worked at Checkpoint together uh, out of Israel, and uh, I just want to send my uh, heartfelt, you know, thoughts to the families there. It's, it's just a horrible thing, and you know, I know that there's a lot of people uh, suffering right now. Yes, absolutely. I, I meant to start off with that, but yes, awful, awful, and uh, certainly thoughts and prayers for uh, everybody over there for sure. Um, so jumping into it, uh, so uh, take us through your career background. So maybe uh, first talk about your first job. I like to ask people their first jobs uh, after Keene University. Yeah, I don't know if it's Kane or Kane. I always said oh, Kane, but uh, Kane. Okay. yeah. So when I graduated with a computer degree, I you know I also had a, a minor in business, and I <clears throat> at that point in time we had uh, you know a computer program. Uh, uh, location where I actually worked at the data center. And long story short, that was back in the days when we had JCL cards and we were putting through the mainframe and we were actually uh, programming in assembler and COBOL. So I, I decided to take my first job out of school as a programmer. And after one year, I said, although I like programming and I like the technology, I just felt like sitting in a cubicle all day was not me. And my personality is more about meeting people, um, building relationships and, and getting feedback and, and really looking at uh, how you could solve problems in the business world with technology. So I ended up taking a, a sales job uh, through a friend at AT&T, who was the largest employer in New Jersey. And I spent five years carrying a bag, uh, learned telco services and products. And then AT&T actually got into uh, selling the Unix computer. So uh, I started selling uh, Unix systems. At that point, um, I had left AT&T after about five years and moved into Silicon Valley database, relational database companies like Informix, uh, Sybase, which was very big in the financial services, Wall Street area, and then um, moved into Oracle, where I had some very successful years there, um, had some great experiences with some key uh, executives um, closing big deals, especially in the telco uh, arena. And then uh, at that point, I got into infrastructure, spent 12 years at HPE. And, and of course, I owe a lot to you, Randy. Really appreciate all the, uh, the opportunities you gave me there and, uh, and built a career out of, um, you know, selling infrastructure and moving into the channel and doing some other roles around sales enablement and things like that. So, that was a great learning experience. And then after that, I had gone over to uh, Checkpoint for cybersecurity and learned that field. I uh, got a lot of exposure in, in, in that area of uh, technology and then went to Hitachi and, uh, and been selling infrastructure uh, through, through the GSIs uh, ever since. Um, so that's just a real quick uh, broad brush view of my, my career. Great. So uh, as we get into the questions here, uh, for anybody watching or listening along, feel free to post any comments or post any questions. And uh, we got Tucker behind the scenes that will uh, shag those for us. So um, 
for, for those that don't know, uh, kind of dumbed down version of uh, uh, who, who GSIs are. Yeah, so stands for Global System Integrators. Um, you know, there's probably 20 or so of them in the world. Um, I would say, you know, out of those 20, there's probably 15 that are truly global. Uh, and then the others are what I would call more regional uh, SIs. Um, you know, the fact is, is that GSIs actually have 10% of, almost 10% of the total uh, um, marketplace within the IT marketplace. So if you think about IT in say 2022, you know, that's probably about seven and a half trillion dollar TAM. Almost 10% of that is going through SIs. So actually 50%, 53% of the, the business going through the channel is actually through the global system integrators. Wow. And then uh, maybe we'll rattle off some of the names. Yeah. So folks like Atos, uh, DXC, um, you know, uh, the big ones, Accenture. Uh, there's also others like Deloitte, KPMG and ENY that are more known for their advisory services. They do a lot of uh, uh, consulting type, uh, you know, services, um, but there's there's plenty of them. Gotcha. And then what's, what's your view on uh, why GSIs are important? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, I think people are, or companies are missing out on opportunities truly to expand their their markets uh, without working with the GSIs. If, if you're a company, an OEM or a technology company, for example, that has made the decision to to really drive the indirect channel in your business as a go-to-market, uh, I truly believe that if you're not including the GSIs, um, then you're probably missing out on a big chunk of opportunity. So, you know, the other thing that I would say, uh, just a couple of quick points around this is, you know, GSIs, not only is the TAM there, but also the fact that there's stickiness. If you can integrate your products into their uh, stack uh, solutions, you're going to get a lot of product stickiness. You're also going to get a lot of customer uh, e exposure um, that you wouldn't normally have. You'll get new logos. Um, there's so many benefits in, in driving. You know, the flip side, though, is... It's hard. It's extremely hard to work with these complex organizations. Gotcha. And typically they're selling to kind of if there's a pyramid of accounts. Typically they'd be selling more to the kind of the, the enterprise global type accounts, not really a commercial and definitely not an SMB. Correct. Yeah. You know, you bring up a great point, Randy. The one thing that I would say is that they're calling and they're they're actually selling to the board. I mean, if you're a let's just say a storage uh, provider, you're probably talking to the IT storage guy right. or girl. So, um, you know, I think it's important that you, when you're, you're going on uh, creating a strategy for your sales campaign in an account, that you understand who the GSIs are in that account because they understand the bigger picture. They understand what is the digital transformational journey. They may actually create it for the customer. And then you can plug in your solutions into that into that journey. And that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. And with these larger accounts, typically they'd have kind of how many employees on that kind of pursuit team? Yeah. Well, let me start by saying out of those 20 SIs that I was mentioning, Randy, that's five and a half million employees. So just to get a feel for what that is, I mean, it's 
you're talking, and we have a lot of Indian-based um, SIs that I've worked with over the years. And I mean, there's thousands and thousands of employees there in in India, um, actually responding to RFPs and RFIs. So when you when you have an enterprise pursuit, you have a very complex organization you're dealing with. You have an industry vertical, very likely. It could be, let's just say it's a banking customer. Um, you have a, a bunch of uh, folks in that practice or that vertical practice that are focused on that pursuit. Then there's the, you know, the cloud, for example, maybe they're moving to the, to the cloud and it's a hybrid cloud opportunity. So now you have the cloud practice involved. Then you have the infrastructure practice involved. Then there might be some other cyber, um, you know, component in the digital transformation. Now you have the cyber uh, practice involved. So they all come together. But what's really interesting is all of these practices have their own P&Ls. So they're competing for business internally. Sometimes they come together very nicely and, and you work together uh, on the journey of closing the business. But there are times when you have to figure out where do you put your, your stakes? What horse are you betting on? And, and really, uh, how do you really address the complexity of this, these type of organizations? Yeah. So given the complexity, uh, what are some suggestions in terms of how to align and leverage the GSIs to help us sell more? Yeah. So part of your book, I, I actually included the uh, uh, practice that I've used over my career called VSEM, VSEM. And uh, it's a, it's a pretty- we just do a little time out. So Tucker, you can post a link for the book. And Kevin's is where the heck are you? Here you go. You're uh, page 99 and it's uh, n- number 71. Uh, vision, strategy, execution, metrics, VSAM approach to grow- growing your business. So thanks for your contribution. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my kids are reading it, by the way. But the, um, the practice, it's pretty well known in the industry, I think. But uh, I use it because if you're coming into a, a, let's say, a new role where you're trying to figure out how to, to drive your new, your new uh, business, you're trying to build it with not only your direct sellers and your channel, but you're, you see a great opportunity with the GSI. So in this case, you, know, you create your vision, you determine what buckets you're going to get your revenue from, you determine you know, what are the, the key uh, customers you're going to pursue, the segmentation model. And then once you determine your vision, then you want to put together your strategy. Uh, strategy uh, will absolutely include your go-to-market. It will also include, you know, what are some of the GSI, uh, GSIs you want to pursue and what geographies do you think you uh, can get the most return on your investment and bang for your buck? And then, of course, execution is all about putting the right players on the field putting it in the right areas, putting them in the right roles. And then finally, you know, how are you going to measure success? And that's all about the metrics, right? KPIs. You know, in my case, when I'm, when I'm driving a, a, a global partner business, I'm very much focused on activity, very much focused on, you know, joint offerings, because the joint offerings is going to get you to where you need to be in terms of, uh, driving revenue and expanding your your products across different customer sets. So, um, so that's just a, a summary of you know how I utilize that VSEP. Gotcha. Very cool. And then um, so 
kind of aligning with the GSIs and then some of the best uh, go-to-market approaches? What would be uh, some thoughts there? Yeah, well, if you decide you want to invest in a go-to-market with the GSIs, as I mentioned, it's complex. So you have to determine if you're willing to make these investments. And when I say investments, I truly mean significant investments. Just to give you a perspective, uh, Google wanted to compete with AWS and Azure, obviously, in the cloud marketplace. And what they did was they quickly realized that they need to do some catch up and really um, integrate themselves with the GSIs because the GSIs are the ones that actually are with the customer, with the board, talking about digital transformation and with the fact that many customers want to move to the cloud. Um, they're relying on these GSIs to determine how to define that journey and how to do it. So, um, so what happens is the, uh, in this case, Google decided to work with 15 out of those 20 GSIs that I was mentioning and create joint offerings for that. They actually grew their business over a hundred percent between years 21 and 2022. They invested almost a billion dollars in that business, um, but it's significant because now they don't have catch up as much as they were before. But now they're they're setting themselves up for uh, true success. Um, the other example I'll use real quick, Randy, is on AWS. AWS has invested almost a billion dollars over the last five years with Deloitte developing joint offerings to go after joint customers in the marketplace. So. These are significant investments. And if you truly want to, to be successful with the GSIs, you have to be prepared to make those investments monetarily. On top of that, you know, it's not just the dollars that you're spending. You have resource time, and, and that's significant dollars as well. You need to hire a global team because regional teams don't work with the GSIs. They expect that you invest in them from a training perspective. There's training programs that um, need to be prepared to actually train thousands of people uh, at the GSI. And, and they can't just be high-level trained. Uh, once you have a customer references, which of course is the, uh, the you know, basically the reward at the end of the rainbow, um, you need to be able to replicate those, those wins. And the way you do that is bringing deep understanding of your solution and products with the GSI. So you can imagine all the investments and resources that it takes to actually be successful with the GSIs. Gotcha. So um, certainly those numbers and billions examples used with AWS and Google are great. So, you know, if you're not one of the top five or top 10 companies in the world, like they are, if you're kind of maybe smaller down the stack, what would be kind of a skinnier version of kind of how to do practically uh, a joint go-to-market and sell more with, with GSIs? What suggestions would you have there? Yeah, great question. So my suggestion would be this, you know, pick one, make one successful, right? If you can, you know, depending on, you know, what it is your vision is and, and your strategy, I think you pick one, one that is willing. And it could be one that may not be number one in its industry. It might be two or three or even four or five. But if they're willing to invest in you and in, in your company, and they're willing to put resources and dollars behind it, they're the companies that you want to, to make the investments in. You know, if you try to just throw over the wall, you know, if you want to work with Accenture, for example, 
there's a, that's a very heavy lift and you're probably likely not going to see the return on your investment. But if you could pick a, a one, just one GSI, maybe you have a GSI that you've worked with before that you have a win in or you have an opportunity to help them maybe move up the stack in their rankings with, with the solution that you provide, that, that would be my recommendation. Gotcha. And then even kind of more focus to say, okay, focus just oil and gas or manufacturing or financial services, you know, as a niche. And then typically the way their org structures work, and I've kind of learned, I've been on the naive side of this and then kind of now having been burned and kind of figured out how it works and doesn't work. But typically you'd have a, uh, for lack of better words, kind of partner or global account manager, but that partner is a very senior person. So somebody that's at City JP B of A, as an example, sitting over that account, you know, that's probably almost like the equivalent of a CEO at, at another normal company. And as you said, they are working. So if it's B of A, they're working with Brian Moynihan and, and the board on initiatives. And then if kind of, you know, Jane Doe or Joe Blow, you know, kind of sales rep comes in, hey, let me tell you why you should deal with me. And they're, you know, they've got these pursuits that are billions of dollars. And if you can give them, you know, a $5 million deal, it's like, okay, who cares? You know, you know, go away. But if you're, uh, so it'd be kind of a bad way to do it, but then perhaps kind of better ways would be, okay, usually they have a center of excellence that you kind of get the check mark to say, yes, you can work well. And then he's got, he or she then has that partner has people that are further down in their food chain that would focus in some of these niche areas, which may be SaaS or cloud or, you know, networking or kind of whatever it is. And that person then cares a lot more about what's going on. And if you can kind of help them with introductions or joint selling or kind of things like that to make some deals kind of happen, that is maybe a kind of also a kind of shorter term way, but, you know, still very, very tough. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit on a good point. So, you know, if if you can give a if you can give business to the GSI, that that is that is critical, right? So one of the things that I mentioned earlier was the different PLs and the and the competitiveness internally at so if you can latch on to an executive sponsor, you're truly bringing value to that person that's going to help their career internally at, at the company that they're working at. And I think, you know, if you can bring this person, a, a customer to bring revenue to the customer, to, to that uh, executive sponsor, right. that's going to help you greatly. And then everybody else is going to start wanting to get on the bandwagon. So to your point, yes, yeah. absolutely. And then typically those uh, people that you're kind of selling to at the GSIs, they typically would stay there kind of for longer periods of time at those companies as opposed to other tech companies where people would tend to rotate through a little bit more, correct? Yeah, um, mostly true. The only ones that I would say maybe are a little different is the India-based uh, GSIs. It's very, um, you know, transient in terms of, you know, if they worked at HCL, they probably worked at TCS or they probably worked at Infosys or whatever. But um, but you're right. Um What's interesting, too, is the GSIs tend to hire industry veterans. So your B of A example, if 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 they really, truly want to get into banking, uh, they may hire, you know, an executive in that in that company um, that really, truly can speak the speak around that industry and that, you know, that language. And, uh, you know, that's critical because that's who that's who their persona is that they're going to be dealing with. Um, and certainly at the board level, that's that's critical. 
Yeah. So being the persona, being probably somebody that had an executive position at a bank or financial services company, as opposed to say people like us who have kind of been on the kind of go to market, you know, sales side, right? There's a lot of industry knowledge that goes goes into play. Therefore, you're interacting with with those board people. Not that we we couldn't, but and again, it's a, the persona that, that that you're dealing with. Yeah. The um, other thing, sorry to interrupt you, Andy, yeah. but the uh, you were asking about the you know go to market. The other thing too is I would say, and this is an important point, um, because they're just not your standard value added resellers. You need to really as you build out your GSI team, you need to bring senior people in. These folks have global experience. Um, They have experience in the industries that the GSIs are selling into. They obviously have sales experience, but they're much more, um, I would say, uh, mature in terms of uh, driving business with GSIs than maybe, you know, a small reseller. Profile was yeah, and they're they're not shy about asking for money, right? So if you got a project, hey, do this, do this. Here's how it can be good for you. Like, okay, well, great. So fund me to pay for my people and my time and the technology to do all that, as well as you got to pay for your own people, and it's yeah, huge, huge undertaking. So before we uh, get off, uh, lead the topic on the GSIs. Anything else to add? No, I think uh, you know if you look at uh, the opportunity, I think it's it's great, and I think. Um, you know, folks that want to learn more, uh, there's plenty of opportunity to do that. Um, I'm happy to, to share uh, as much experience as I have uh, over my career around this with anybody that might be more interested. Perfect. And you're very easy to find on, on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, all right. So moving on. So you've had a lot of experiences, a lot of great companies, and I would imagine some great uh, mentors and uh, mentorships over the years, too. Yeah, so I, I actually jotted them down because uh, I didn't want to forget anybody, and I'm sure I did. But I wasn't sure where I should put you, Randy. Should you go first or last? Hey, I'm just happy to be in the mix. <laughs> well, I, as I said at the top of the show, I, I have to just thank you so much for all the opportunities you gave me. And, uh, you know, I think relationships uh, and teamwork matter in sales. Um, and to be successful just as a human being. Um, and that's one of the things you really taught me. And it, it was amazing to me, the, uh, the teamwork we had across the board in your organization and, you know, the sales kickoffs we put together with 5,000 people in the audience being on stage was just incredible. And, uh, you know, I feel like we did a lot of great things there and, um, you know, it's good to be part of that. So thank you for the opportunity and just the way you treat your family and Tommy and Billy and all the things that you've done for them. Um, it's just incredible. You know, it's just great to, to actually have the opportunity to, to actually know you personally. You. Um, you know, professionally. Other kids, uh, Sh- Shannon and Philip as well. So oh, Phillip, yes. the boys get the airtime. But yeah. well, I played baseball in college. That's why I. I, there I you go. Um, John Henshaw. We both know John yeah. is. I knew him when he was a CIO at Verizon. He was at Boeing, HP, and then now he's he's actually the COO, as you probably know, at HSBC. And what he taught me is, you know, here's a guy that actually came from Accenture, by the way. Um, he knows technology inside and out, but he knows how uh, technology can deliver business outcomes. And he is just an incredible guy. You know, he sells wine, too, I know, but... Uh, John and I go way back and he's a great guy and has really taught me a lot about business and technology. 
Great, great guy. I think uh, Blackbird uh, Winery. Blackbird Winery. Got some, they got some downstairs, but uh, really good. And I tell you, he's super busy, but he's been helpful. Uh, probably you know, a few times a year, I'll reach out to him for a favor for something or other. And uh, you know, he, he's been fantastic. Uh, actually, has a baseball spin on wine. He called me thought, a couple months ago. Hey, thinking about doing this or that. What do, what do you yeah. think? I got a great, great idea. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, John, great guy. Who else? I'm, I'm wondering if his his. Uh, his accent's changing now that he's living in the UK. I don't know. Um, now, Bill McDermott is a staple in the industry. He is, um, he and I work together at SAP, or I should say I work for him at SAP um, and partner with him at, at ServiceNow. And the one thing he taught me is how to command a room. He is amazing when it comes to commanding the room. And I'm just, uh, you know, so happy that I had the opportunity to just pick up the phone or send him an email and he'll always respond to me. Uh, Jason Goodall, former NTT CEO, just a genuine great guy doing some investments now in, in startups. And um, I wish him well. Another gentleman, Nordine uh, Bimain, who is the uh, uh, CEO of Atos. He and I go way back and he's he's taught me a lot about true partnerships and accessibility to key executives. Mark, v <clears throat> excuse me, Mark Veda, back in the Oracle days when I was there, he helped me how, you know, basically had to orchestrate big deals. We closed the largest uh, transaction at Oracle at the time uh, with a telco. And he, he taught me so much about big deals. Steve Capelli, uh, Sybase, you may know Steve. He's since retired. <clears throat> uh, he, he taught me data is important. Data is actually important. You got to look at the details and double click. And he's taught me a lot there. Dennis Dean uh, at HPE. And then, uh, you know, we worked together at Itachi. He learned, he taught me a lot about GSI relationships and, and how GSIs actually work. Chris Riley, <clears throat> we both know teamwork, knows how to grind it out, how to build great teams. Uh, Frank Roush, you mentioned earlier, great guy. Uh, he taught me all about the channel. The channel is, uh, it's not easy, but uh, he's taught me a lot about, you know, how to execute in the channel. Bethany Mayer has been on your show, uh, great executive presence back on the board at HPE. And he, and she really helped me when I got into the networking business under your organization. And uh, she's been great as well as an executive sponsor, Antonio Neri. Uh, the one thing he taught me was never give up and, and always stay committed. I mean, here's a guy that went from being an engineer to, the CEO of HPE. So he's been incredible. Uh, Stephen Leonard at Kindrel, just an authentic leader. Um, he's taught me about the strength of the entire ecosystem and uh, just incredible guy. Uh, Mark Hughes, DXC, Global Reach. <coughs> oh, excuse me. He uh, taught me a lot about- You got the phone book? I got a few more. Uh, let's see. You know who I got to say is David Knorr. There you go. David Knorr is- uh, He's taught me a lot about relationships. I'm running out of. Uh, See, you got too many. And then, uh, you know, the one guy that we both know well is Dave Donatelli. So <clears throat> if you remember, we did that panel uh, with customers on uh, stage with one of the sales kickoffs. And, you know, I did it. It was a lot of pressure. But when he turned to me and had a cocktail, he said, Kevin, that was the best customer panel I ever had and I ever saw. So nice. Very cool. Uh, 
So you're so you had a lot of great mentorship. So there kind of one or two things that advice that you'd give your younger self. Yeah, I mean, it's all about listening, right? Um, you, you heard the phrase, you know, you have two ears and one mouth for a reason, right? Um, you really, truly have to listen and you will fail. You will make mistakes, but you have to listen. You have to, you know, kind of pick up your shorts and, and, and shake it off and, and, you know, move on and, and learn from those mistakes. So um, I'm never afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody. Uh, you know, it's important that um, when you're young and you're starting out, that you have a real passion to learn. Because um, if, if you don't, then you probably need to go find something else, something else that you might have a passion for. So that's what I would say. Definitely. And it's um, interesting these days, I find in some sales cycles I'm involved with, you know, back when we, we were growing up, I mean, you're a I, I still want to try and learn, but, you know, just in terms of, you know, sales basics, I mean, we, we were sponges and would want the feedback, performance management, all that stuff we're all over. And then now it seems like, you know, it's kind of not quite, a, you know, sales leaders or sales teams, hey, you know, you know, kind of don't necessarily want the feedback, which I just, I know, several CRO friends are just kind of confounded by, then you got to be careful just the notion of even giving feedback that you're not kind of, you know, offending people. I mean, just yeah. kind of crazy, right? It is. And, you know, I think, and you've said, you've had a few guests on this and, and a few have said the same thing. There's no replacement for doing the ride along with the rep. Um, to me, spending personal time with them, you know, <clears throat> giving them some coaching before a sales call, you know, recapping after the sales call, talking about what worked, what didn't work, what you could do differently. There's, you can't put a price on that and you can't do this virtually in my opinion. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> I think it's important that, uh, you know, the, the, the manager gets their hands dirty and they actually get into battle with you because, uh, you know, we're all in it together. So that would definitely be something I would push in any team that I was part of. Yeah. I mean, and the, and the good leaders or great leaders do that and they lead by example, right? I mean, there's, you know, times where I've seen a leader does a, does a call, they don't have the rep on, then they tell the rep in a couple of days. So it takes three days for the rep to then get the recap note back. And then you try and follow up and then the leader is not there. And the rep's like, you know, what, what the heck you're expecting me to do this, but you're not doing that as opposed to, which yeah, you and I both know is okay. You gotta, you know, you don't go to sleep until that recap follow-up note is done. And then you're kind of leading by example with the follow-up and what to do and how to do it and, you know, everything else. But can I do that? Uh, yeah. I might be old school, uh, post each week and just kind of, I don't know, I'm on 60 something of just all this, you know, stupid stuff I just see on the, you know, go to market and sales side. So I, I can always be wrong, but no, uh, just, uh, just crazy. You drove that home in, in HPE. And I, I know, you know, that, that went throughout the organization, you know, thank you notes, recap notes, whatever you want to call them, but they, they were uh, key to success, I think, in many sales campaigns. Yeah. And it just lay, lays the groundwork, right? Okay. Here's where I, here's what's going on. And you're laying the groundwork for what's going to happen in the sales cycle, right? As opposed to, oh, thanks. Enjoy. You know, look forward to following up. I'm like, what the heck? That's stupid. It's stupid and useless. So anyway, what, what about, so GSIs we tackled well, um, anything, any other thoughts in terms of the importance of the, the channel or other kind of global strategic partners? Yeah. Well, channel in general, I mean, if you, 
I mean, you've been doing this a long time. It's uh, any channel leaders I've worked with. <clears throat> it's it's all about activity. <clears throat> it's about doubling down on the partners that want to invest in you. Um, <clears throat> just getting more partners isn't necessarily the right formula. And I think, you know, the the folks that are on the ground, the sellers, they need to look at their business as a franchise. They need to look at it in a, in a way that says, how many touches can I get to my customer? If I have a, if I have a partner, I have my direct touches, I have my marketing team. It's so important to, you know, on a daily basis, get as many touches into your client as you can. And I think that's what the channel does. The channel drives that. It makes, it makes your life easier. And um, to me, uh, I always, I kind of scratch my head. I mean, I think it's, it's probably more about, you know, the folks, the companies that don't necessarily drive the channel as much as they should probably are not educated enough to understand the benefits of the channel. And, and I think that's part of why I am, you know, I feel so strongly about the channel and, and the GSI specifically. Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember times I'd say, okay, to the different sales kickoff meetings, okay, everybody that's on the channel team, raise your hand. Right. And then the, yeah. you know, what would be otherwise direct reps don't I'm like, no, no, no. You're, if you're a direct rep, you, you're, you're part of the channel team as well. Exactly. And then you get, you get in this debate, oh, I need resources, you know, Rain, I need, you know, pre-sales, I need SEs, really? How many do you want? Well, if I could get, you know, get one, that's great. Okay, how about I give you 10 or 20? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. It's called your channel partners, right? You got, you know, more, more than you'd ever want, but there's almost this kind of control thing that sales reps, oh, I got to control, whatever. I'm like, guess what? You get paid the same, usually regardless, right? So right. you can get paid the same and you got whatever, five or 10 channel partners helping you sell double or triple versus you being single threaded doing it yourself. I mean, just this like crazy mindset, but just happens. And how many times have we seen that movie, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I've worked for companies where, you know, you look at the regions and you say, okay, well, this region's doing better than this region. And then you look under the covers and you say, okay, well, let me look at what's, what's the direct and indirect, um, you know, variables. And all of a sudden you see, Oh, the one that's doing great is primarily indirect, right? So um, I think there's just so much, you know, upside to working with the channel. And, uh, you know, I think probably companies should do more. Yeah, crazy. So uh, again, a reminder, Kevin Purcell here, uh, title topic is GSIs. And now we're on to some other uh, kind of great go-to-market topics. So if anybody has any questions or comments, please, uh, please chime in. Uh, I always get people afterwards that say, oh, I was just on. That was great. And I'm like, OK, why don't you ask a question when I was, you know, when I was asking for it? But uh, anyway, so I know you're uh, particularly passionate. You're passionate about a lot of things, but especially uh, storytelling to help uncover opportunities and accelerate sales cycles. Yeah. Well, I, I will tell you a quick story. And it's Randy, it's I'll leave the names out of it for reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, we had back in the day when I was uh, at a software company where we we were doing uh, some large enterprise type license uh, deals where, you know, um, we would basically lock down the account. Um, and, and in this situation, there was a compliance issue and the compliance issue came up to the point where it was ready to go to litigation. And we ended up, uh, you know, having actually the CEOs uh, trying to figure out how to fix the situation. So, I was given the opportunity because of my relationship with the CIO 
to basically try to work this out. And uh, we ended up working it out and ending ended it up closing out a large transaction. And and the reason I tell you that story is because relationships actually do matter. Um, and, you know, this person, the CIO liked me. It was somebody that actually I could have a beer with, somebody I could talk about sports with, somebody that I can, you know, probably even introduce my kids to and, and you know, have a, a great relationship. And they're, and they're to this day so happy that we were able to resolve that issue. I just think taking something that could be bad and turning it into something good through relationship building is a reality. And it's something that you can actually uh, see happen. And that was just a quick story I would share. Totally. And then uh, you've always been great, you know, not just the relationship side, but really kind of getting to uh, understand really the people and the personality. So especially if you're in the global systems integrators, I mean, you're dealing with, you know, probably you're meeting people for the first time. You have no idea kind of personality profiles and things like that. And uh, I think you had mentioned there's um, uh, Humantic AI, uh, a company that you're uh, looking at to help with that. Yeah. So it, it, it seems like a great product. Uh, Humanix AI, actually, if you remember the old disk technology, right? This is, this is a, an opportunity to gather data. The pro, the, uh, AI product gathers data from, uh, a source at, from LinkedIn and, um, can help identify if you, if you're in a middle of a sales campaign and you have all your key stakeholders identified, decision makers, influencers, um, recommenders. Um, this solution actually can help you determine how you could approach each of these individuals, if you should even in, approach these individuals. Uh, they they talk about uh, it gives you some feedback and input around their personalities and and how they may address certain questions. And what's great too is that it actually helps you develop an email that is much more pointed to the point where you'll actually get more return on the investment of, of putting together an email. So to me, it, it should close uh, more deals. It should shorten the sales cycle and uh, your close rates will go up. So to me, something like that, and this product, uh, everything I've seen about it is great. So, um, you know, I would encourage people out there that are looking for a tool. I know Gen AI and AI is, you know, like every topic that pops up, it, that's included in it every day. But I would say that uh, this is a product that you should take a look at. Uh, very, very cool. And we have uh, Kristen Carey, the question. Thanks, Kristen. Uh, our firm works works with many GSIs, such as Accenture. We find it difficult to gain their attention, interest to run marketing sales programs due to their, their size. Uh, any recommendations on how best to engage them? Yeah, well... That's a tough question, but I will answer it the best I can. So maybe Accenture isn't the right one. I'll, I'll just throw that out there, right? Because I know Accenture is big and they um, they have a lot of partners, by, by the way. But uh, one thing that I will tell you is that, uh, and this is true for most GSIs, 80 to 90% or so, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm giving you a rough range, of their revenue comes from existing customers, so that means that they have to grow their business through innovation. So if you could come up with a way, Kristen, to create innovation for Accenture, something that they don't have today, something that is maybe small, 
to you, but is a, you know, a differentiator, something that they don't have. Um, they're always looking for um, the shiny nickel. You know, I brought up Gen I, Randy, but Gen I, soon as that started taking off, every GSI says, I'm investing a billion dollars and I'm creating a practice. And every GSI wants to be known as the smartest Gen AI company out there. Um, so to me, to me, Kristen, you need to look at, uh, you know, what is something that you can bring them that makes you relevant to them. And I think uh, you'll get some traction. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's hard just, you know, finding a niche in a swim lane where you can help. And if not Accenture, then, uh, you know, other ones as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, Kristen, I'd say, you know, feel free to f- follow up with Kevin offline. You could probably get a, a, a deeper dive there as well. Um, let's see here. So we are getting to the end. Uh, so you've been awesome. Uh, and Kristen says, thank you. And, uh, Tucker also posted, there's a, uh, free link that a uh, human tech has given us. So you get a free, I think w- week or two, um, you know, leveraging that. So with us kind of Sandler, you know, awesome long time kind of sales training company, um, any kind of one or two kind of best practices that you found over the years around the topic of, uh, sales training? Yeah, well, specifically for the channel, I mean, uh, I've used um, iPad training, which is under the channel company. Um, and the reason I've used it is because I think that the partner managers need to understand how the partners uh, are financially, um, how they operate, uh, what is their operating model, um, what's important to them, um, you know, when it comes to margins, you know, what kind of margins are they looking for? What kind of deals are they looking for? Um, I also think it's important if you talk about GSIs, understanding what's critically important to them uh, around technology and how each of those, com- you know, complex organizations work together. Um, so, you know, how people get incented, how salespeople's people get incented is how they're going to behave. And uh, I think you got to find training that you can look under the covers uh, at a partner or an end customer and understand what's important to them. And if that training can help you, um, then that's good. I think also role playing training is very, very uh, impactful. Uh, we used to do that, Randy, at, at HP. And I think, um, you know, role playing is uh, is critical because you're not only telling a, a story to your customer's CIO. But you're also talking to, you know, maybe the sustainability officer at uh, an account or maybe you're talking to a CFO and the messages are different for each of those personas. And I know you've had many speakers talk about that, but that's that's absolutely important. So if you can find training to do that, that's great. Totally. And you t- we touched on a little bit before, but um, I had Jill Harris from uh, GoTo on uh, a couple of weeks ago and her topic was kind of growth mindset, which is really kind of you need to be in that mindset of wanting to grow, wanting to develop. So it's sort of, you know, if I were a leader, I'd say, look, do you want to grow or not? Not to be a jerk, but you know, do you want to grow or not? And if so, you got to be a sponge. So leveraging a Sandler that has great you know, online repository of training, you don't need to necessarily go and sit there for five days in, in a room with somebody, right? There's a whole so much content there that you can get and anything that you want to do or you know, different or better, strongly encourage everybody to uh, check out Sandler. So uh, you've been awesome. Uh, thanks so much. So uh, for f- folks, I know I like to ask if there's any PG Randy story you want to you, you tell. 
So it is a PG. I have a few that aren't, but this one is PG. So um, I remember you had um, a team meeting. Uh, we all went to the Oracle Open World event. And um, the band that was playing was Fergie and the Black Eyed Peas. And we were standing in the front of the stage and you were getting upset at me because Fergie was looking at me and not at you. <laughs> really? but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but again, we used to have some great times, uh, great uh, sales meetings uh, at a lot of these uh, events. And actually, that that's a great point, because um, we weren't just having meetings by ourselves. We went to Oracle. Right. We used to go to other channels, channel partners, and we used to treat our channel partners um, like gold when we brought them out to our sales uh, events. So, you know, it's a really important that, uh, you know, you do these type of activities with, with your partners and customers. Yeah. And even integrating them in, right. We started yeah. doing, we'd have the, you know, partners, it was a, you know, internal sales kickoff. Great. Let's bring the partners. We should treat them, you know, everybody all the same. And yeah, there's some partners that compete with each other, but, you know, kind of if your company high tides flight all uh, high tides float all boats, right? So if everybody's selling more, it's uh, good for everybody and there, there, there's plenty to, to go around. So uh, Kevin, thank you so much. Uh, you've been fantastic. Uh, next week, we're actually going to have on Thursday, uh, episode number 146, Chris McCarthy, uh, who's executive at Microsoft. Uh, he's been a long time uh, services and consulting leader. And his title topic is leveraging services and consulting as a competitive advantage. So we go from GSIs to services and consulting. And uh, Tucker, thanks for your help behind the scenes. Everybody have a great week.